Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Good morning and happy Easter to everyone. How many people had a good Easter weekend so far? Few hands, few people not. Okay, that's all right. Either you haven't had a good weekend or you're just, your arms are sore from eating chocolate that you can't raise your hand again. I hope you've had a great Easter. We're having um, a wonderful time together as a family, just enjoying some Easter, enjoying the nice weather, heading outside and having some fun together. Um, we ended Good Friday service in a way of just the way the disciples, the way Christ's followers would have ended their Friday. We ended Friday with Jesus going and being placed in the tomb and a stone being rolled in front of it. And then really the very next verse as we read that, we read in Luke 23, verse 54, it was preparation day and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women had come the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. So here the ladies, they follow to see where Jesus is laid to rest. And, and once he realized, they see where he's laid to rest, they, the next day is their Sabbath. And so on the Sabbath day, they rest. They don't do anything. And so they prepare the uh, spices and the perfumes. And this is where they were going to take them. And they put them around the tomb and, and on the body. And it just helps with the smell. And so because the next day is the Sabbath, they wait. And they wait and honor the Sabbath. I think this is just an amazing testimony to us on just how important the Sabbath is. Here they are. Their Messiah is dead. And instead of going to look after him, they recognize they need to honor the Sabbath. And they actually just wait. They wait. And then it goes on in the very next chapter, Luke 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning. Now, I'm understanding that I just said I believe they honored the Sabbath. But I also believe that when it says very early in the morning, they were watching the clock and waiting for it to tick over that they could go. Now I realize I don't have a clock. I understand that. But you know what I'm saying. They're waiting for this moment where they know it's okay to go. And then when, they, when that clock turns over, they take off. And the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this suddenly... Two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Why do we look for the living among the dead? 
Why do we continue to look for the living among the dead things in our lives? This year, we began this year, we believe that the word for our church, that for, for Bethel was the word new. New. What is God going to do new? What is he wanting to do in your life that's new? But are we, are you habitually going back to old things, dead things? We can't find new things with God. We can't find the new things he's wanting to do while we continue going back to the dead things in our lives. The angels, it's interesting, the angels reminded them of the things Jesus said earlier. See, this wasn't new. Jesus didn't hide from them that he was supposed to die, be buried and raised again. He told them. But in the moment, in the process, they forgot. And they were depressed and they were saddened and they didn't know what was happening. How many of us can honestly say, we may know what's in the scriptures. We understand what's there. But all of a sudden, we walk through something. We walk through a challenge. We walk through a difficult time. And we forget what God has already told us. What he's promised us. And then it might take somebody coming along. You may not have an angel show up. But it might be a friend. It might be another believer to come along and remind us what Jesus said. I love the verse right at the end when it says, then they remembered his words. Do you remember the things he's told you? Do you remember the things he's promised you? Have you written them down? Do you hang on to them? Do you remind yourself? You know, not only do I remind myself, but sometimes I remind God. Not that I think he forgot. Well, my kids are very good at asking for something, and then even though they're told, yes, I don't know if anybody else's kids do this, they continue to ask. And I always am confused with them because I say to them, I understand you re-asking if I've said no. And you're wanting a different answer. But when you've already got yes and you continue to ask, are you wanting a different answer? But it reminds me of how sometimes with God, he's already told me what he's going to do. He's already promised me things. But yet, I doubt or I continue to ask instead of trusting. What has God promised you? What are you holding on to? Do you have the faith deep inside? What are we saying? What do we believe? See, Romans, Paul writes in Romans 10, verse 8 to 13, he says, But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. 
For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord over all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So your heart matters. What you feel and believe in your heart matters. What you declare with your mouth matters. You share that Jesus is Lord. You tell people about our Savior. See, it's in our hearts that we believe and are justified. We have faith inside and with our mouths we profess our faith and we share it. Which means then we have peace in the storms. It's not that we avoid storms, we have peace in them. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. So whatever you've walked through, whatever you're walking through is going to build you up. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to make us more like Christ. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what comes out of my mouth, what comes out of our mouths is so important because Scripture tells us it's the overflow of the heart. It's the overflow of the heart. Have you ever said something and you're like, where did that come from? If anything slipped out of your mouth and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? It came from your heart. It's a way for God to speak to me to go, hey, Chad, you need to work on this in your heart. Because out of the heart or out of the mouth is the overflow of the heart. So the things that I speak are from within. And I need to make sure that I work on my heart because your heart matters. Matthew 23, 26, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he calls them blind Pharisees. First clean the inside of the cup and dish and then the outside will also be cleaned. The outside will be cleaned. Many of us concentrate on our outward actions. If I play the part, I have to do these things. But it's the inside that God examines. We work on our heart and our character will follow. We stay connected to Jesus. We're connected to the vine. And we will have the fruit of the Spirit. It's His promise. We call on the Lord and you will be saved. Those who are saved, Jesus tells us that we're supposed to do right before he ascended. He told us what we're supposed to do right before he ascended. If you're trying to figure out, Chad, I don't know what to do with my life. What is God asking me to do? I just want to follow Jesus and and know that I'm on the right path. Well, here's what I love about Jesus. He really doesn't make it a guessing game. Now, this scripture doesn't tell you where you're supposed to work and what you're supposed to do. And I'm not sure if some cases that he's really concerned with that, he's more concerned about how you work and how you live than where. But he says this right before he leaves. And many of you will know this. But do we live it? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go and share the gospel wherever we go. Well, Chad, I find it hard to talk to people. That's okay. Doesn't mean that you're not supposed to. Well, Chad, I just don't know if that's my gifting. It might be your gifting to be an evangelist, but he still calls us to share the gospel. He still calls us to make disciples. Go and make disciples. Sharing his gospel, teaching them about Jesus Christ, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. He has called us and needs us to go and share his gospel, to share his story. Here's the encouraging thing. If you're in the room and you're like, well, Chad, I serve God, I believe in him, but this whole idea of going really just, I don't know if I can do it. I want to read you scripture that just gives me confidence. It gives me confidence because here is the one thing I do know. I am a believer. How many people in the room, and I'm actually going to stretch you like to show your hands. If you're a believer in the room, just raise your hand. And I want you to raise it so that you confess to yourself that you're a believer. So what I'm about to read is for you. Mark 16, 15 to 18, he said this. He said to them, Mark goes into a little more detail. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. So who in here believes again? See, I realize as soon as I pull this verse out and I say this, you're almost hesitant to raise your hand. But this verse isn't to make you go, well, I don't see that in my life. This verse is to make you go, this should be in my life. So God, if it's not, you have not changed, so therefore it is me. Help me to draw closer to you and help me to believe because these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick and they will get well. We are called to go and share the gospel to all creation, to everyone. And if you believe, these signs will accompany you. Here's the amazing thing. Notice that Jesus does not say, these signs will follow my disciples. He doesn't say these signs will follow the early church. Jesus' words are, these signs will accompany those who believe. This is for us. If he thought this was just for his disciples, if he meant this is for his disciples, he would say these signs will follow you. But he says these signs will follow those who believe. I just have to believe. I have to be close to him and I have to believe. And these will follow. To share the gospel, we need to share love. Jesus, God, is not, 
He doesn't just love people, but the Scriptures tell us that He is love. Actions more than words. 1 John 3.16 says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Jesus laid down his life. He came to serve and to pay a ransom that we could never pay. And we are called to serve others. And he paid a price for all of us. If you haven't accepted him, your price is already paid. This is the amazing thing about God. We just need to accept it. Because he's already paid the price. I want to read you a story that somebody just posted online. And I read it and I was like, man, I need to share this. So I'm going to read a few pages but I want you to envision what's happening. I want you to picture what's going on. And I won't have to read far. I'll read the whole thing, but I'm sure you're going to catch on quickly. There was a certain professor at a religion, of religion named Dr. Christensen who taught at a small college in the western United States. Dr. Christensen taught the required survey course in Christianity at this particular institute. Every student was required to take this course his or her freshman year regardless of his or her major. Although Dr. Christensen tried hard to communicate the essence of the gospel in his class, he found that most of his students looked upon the course as nothing but required drudgery. Despite his best efforts, most students refused to take Christianity seriously. This year, Dr. Christensen had a special student named Steve Steve was only a freshman, but was studying in the intent of going into seminary for ministry. Steve was popular, he was well-liked, and he was an imposing physical specimen. He was now the starting center of the high school football team and was the best student in the professor's class. One day, Dr. Christian said to Steve to stay after class so he could talk to him. How many push-ups can you do? Steve said, I do about 200 every night. 200? That's pretty good, Steve. That's better than good for anybody that's wondering. <laughs> Dr. Christensen said, do you think you could do 300? Steve replied, I, I don't know. I've never done 300 at a time. Do you think you could? Asked again, Dr. Christensen. Well, I can try, said Steve. Can you do 300 in sets of 10? I have a class project in mind, and I need you to do about 300 push-ups in sets of 10 for this to work. Could you do it? I need you to tell me you can do it, said the professor. Steve said, well, I think I can. Yeah, yeah, I can do it. So Dr. Christian said, good. I need you to do it on this Friday, and let me explain what I have in mind. Friday came and Steve got to class early and sat in the front of the, front of the room. When the class started, the professor pulled out a big box of donuts. 
These weren't normal kind of donuts. They were extra fancy, big kind, with cream and centers and frosting swirls, and I just lost everybody. <laughs> Come on back, okay? Everyone was pretty excited. It was Friday, the last class of the day, and they were going to get an early start on the weekend with a party in Dr. Christensen's class. Dr. Christensen went to the first girl in the first row and asked, Cynthia, do you want to have one of these donuts? Cynthia said, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Christensen then turned to Steve and asked Steve, Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Th Cynthia could have a donut? Sure. Steve jumped down from his desk and, to do a uh, quick 10. Then Steve again sat in his desk. Dr. Christian put the donut on Cynthia's desk. Dr. Christian went on to Joe and the next person and asked, Joe, do you want a donut? And Joe said, yes. And then Dr. Christian asked Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Joe can have a donut? And Steve did 10 push-ups and Joe got a donut. So it went on. It went down the first aisle. Steve did 10 push-ups for every person before they got their donut. And then down the second aisle till Dr. Christian came to Scott. Scott was on the basketball team and he was a good condition as Steve. He was very popular, never lacking in the, for the female companionship. When the professor asked, Scott, do you want a donut? Scott's reply, reply was, well, I can do my own push-ups. Dr. Christensen said, no, Steve has to do them. And then Scott said, well, I don't want one then. So Dr. Christensen shrugged and turned to Steve and asked, Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so Scott can have the donut he doesn't want? With perfect obedience, Steve started to do 10 push-ups. And Scott said, hey, I said I don't want one. And Dr. Christian looked. Dr. Christian said, look, this is my classroom, my class, my desk. These are my donuts. Just leave it on the desk if you don't want it. And he put a donut on Scott's desk. Now, by this time, Steve had begun to slow down a little. He had just stayed on the floor between sets because it took too much effort to be getting up and down. You could start to see a little perspiration coming around his brow. Dr. Christian started down the third row. Now the students were beginning to get a little angry. Dr. Christian would ask Jenny, Jenny, do you want a donut? Sternly, Jenny said, no. And then Dr. Christian turned to Steve. Steve, would you do 10 more push-ups so Jenny can have a donut she doesn't want? Steve did 10, and Jenny got a donut. By now, a growing sense of uneasiness filled the room, and the students were beginning to say no, and there were all these uneaten donuts on desks. Steve had also, Steve had also had to really put forth an effort to get those, these push-ups done for each donut. There began to be a small pool of sweat on the floor beneath his face. His arms and brows were beginning to get red because of the physical effort it involved. Dr. Christian started down the fourth row, during his class, however, some students from other classes had wandered in and sat down on steps along the radiators and ran down the side of the room, and the professor realized this. He did a quick count, and he saw that there were 34 students in the room. He started to worry if Steve would be able to make it happen, and Dr. Christian went on to the next person and the next and the next. Near the end of the row, Steve was really having a rough time. He was taking a lot more time to complete each set, a few moments later, Jason, a recent transfer student, came to the room, and he was about to come in when all the students in one voice yelled, No! Don't come in! Stay out! Jason didn't know what was going on, and Steve picked up his head and said, No! 
let him come in. The professor Christensen said, you realize if Jason comes in, you'll have to do 10 push-ups for him. And Steve said, yes, let him come in. Give him a donut. And Dr. Christensen said, okay, Steve, I'll let you get Jason's out of the way right away. Jason, do you want a donut? Jason, new to the room, hardly knew what was going on. His answer was, yes, give me a donut. Steve will have to do 10 push-ups so that Jason can have a donut. Steve did 10 push-ups very slowly with great effort. Jason, bewildered, was handed a donut and sat down. Dr. Christian finished the fourth row and then started on those visitors seated on the heaters. Steve's arms were shaking with each push-up in a struggle to lift himself against the force of gravity. Sweat was profusely dripping off his face, and by this time there was no sound except his heavy breathing. There was not a dry eye in the room. The very last two students in the room were two young women, both cheerleaders and very popular, and Dr. Christian went to Linda, the second to last, and asked, Linda, do you want a donut? And Linda said very sadly, no, thank you. Professor Christensen quietly asked Steve, would you do 10 push-ups so that Linda can have the donut she doesn't want? Grunting from the effort, Steve did 10 very slow push-ups for Linda. Then Dr. Christensen turned to the last girl, Susan. Susan, do you want a donut? And Susan, with tears flowing down her face, she began to cry, Dr. Christensen, why can't I help him? And Dr. Christensen said, with tears of his own, said, no, Steve has to do it alone. I have given him this task, and he is in charge of seeing that everyone has the opportunity for a donut, whether they want it or not. When I decided to have a party last, this last day of class, I looked at my grade book, and Steve is the only student with a perfect grade. Everyone else has failed a test, skipped a class, or offered me inferior work. Steve told me, that when a player messes up in a football practice, he must do push-ups. I told Steve that none of you could come to my party unless he paid the price by doing your push-ups. He and I made a deal for your sakes. Steve would do 10 push-ups so Susan can have a donut. As Steve very slowly finished the last push-up with the understanding that he had accomplished all that was required, having done 350 push-ups. His arms buckled beneath him and he fell to the floor. Dr. Christian turned to the room and said, and so it was that our Savior Jesus Christ on the cross pleaded to the Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. With the understanding that he had done everything he was required, that was required of him, he yielded up his life. And like some of those in the room, many of us leave the gift on the desk uneaten. Two students helped Steve off the floor and and to the seat, physically exhausted, but wearing a thin smile. Well done, good and faithful servant, said the professor, adding, not all sermons are preached in words. Turning to the class, the professor said, my wish is that you might understand and fully comprehend all the riches of grace and mercy have been given to you through the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ for all of us, now and forever. Whether or not we choose to accept his gift to us, the price has been paid. Wouldn't 
you be foolish and ungrateful to leave it laying on the desk. So many of us, maybe in this room or online, have accepted, but there's many who have not. And we leave it. We leave Jesus' gifts sitting right in front of us. And the price is already paid. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, but whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. My salvation, your salvation is already paid for. You just need to accept Jesus into your life and let him lead you. These Acts 2.21, Romans 10.13 quote the Old Testament and says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because of his sacrifice, because of him dying on the cross and raising from the dead, each and every one of us has the gift of eternal life and salvation. Let's pray. Let's repeat after me. If you're online, just repeat after me. If you're in the room, just repeat this prayer after me. Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for paying the price and for forgiving my sins. This morning, I accept your gift. And I receive you into my life. I want to follow you for eternity. And make you Lord over my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're in the room or online and you said that for the first time or maybe for the fifth time. Maybe the tenth. Whatever it is. But you mean it from the bottom of your heart then you've received Jesus into your life. And, and if you're in the room or you're online, I'd love for you to send me an email or if you're in the room, connect with me after this service. I just want to celebrate with you and your first step or recommitting your life to the Lord and beginning this journey with him. If you're online, send me an email at chat at bethelstratford.org because I just want to connect with you and follow up. If you're in the room or online and you are a believer and you're like, Chad, I already know that I'm a believer. And I know that I'm serving God and I'm not leaving his gift on the table. I've already picked it up. Then you need to leave today with this verse, Mark Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And so if you're a believer, today your challenge is to go. Go into all the world and share the gospel in Jesus' name. And so God bless you. I hope you have a great week. Go and share the gospel with everyone you meet. If you need prayer this morning, just stay where you are and give me a wave. There's a few pastors in the room and some prayer team that we will come and pray with you. Uh, But if you are free to go, and I just want you to have a great Easter and have a great time together. God bless you and go and share the gospel in Jesus' name. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Bethel Church Podcast that's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 